and welcome back to this podcast. <laughs> this is the Street Spot, where we discuss IT topics with IT leaders. And as always, I have the pleasure to have with me two great IT leaders, executives, technology leaders, and we have Howard Holter and Paul Lewis. Hey, Paul and Howard. Hey there. How are hey, you doing? Good to be back. Yeah, so during all this, we have covered a lot of topics. And one topic that comes always is the question from different leaders, how do IT budgets really work? And, and the emphasis is in the really, because sometimes we know that there's a budget, rarely the how, it's the actual how you spend it, but you actually control where. So is that topic something that you have seen across your years, uh, a budget? What, what are the challenges you have seen? So I've seen it from both the buyer and the seller experience, right? So from a seller experience, why can't we just go to the client and get them to buy now? Why can't it be this week? Why does it have to be next week? And I wonder if we could just tell them to shift from a, a capital budget to a managed service. Why, why can't we just convince them to do this? Why is this a complex thing? Why can't they just change their mind? And then from a buyer perspective, what, why are the providers being so pushy? Like why does this day mean any different than any other day? And the reality is I don't control every single financial decision, even though I have the capital budget. So it's, it's always based on that sort of push between the two buyers and sellers. Um, and I think it, there's not a lot of clarity on how much control CIOs actually have. Um, and there's differing controls and, and Howard will certainly uh, talk to this, uh, the difference between sort of SMB CIOs versus you know, big enterprise CIOs. But you mentioned two terms that, that probably some of the, our listeners or the people are watching us maybe comfortable with or not, you mentioned CapEx and OpEx. Can you give us a little bit of, of a detail of what that really is and what that means for a company or for an IT leader? Sure, so, um, so in IT especially, but it's true through the entire organization, a capital expense tends to be sort of cash reserves, right? So it's coming out of expenses beyond the people-centric expenses or your reoccurring expenses. It's things to which you can spend in a different bucket over time. Um, and it's measured differently from the shareholder. Whereas an operating expenditure is a recurring expense that tends to be included within the people expenses part of sort of an IT budget. Um, and depending on how you articulate what the projects is doing, or where and how this application is being used, or where and how this service is being applied, can it be any one of those expenses? And of course, there's lots of uh, spectrum dimensions in there, right? There could be full capital spend, or a capital lease, or just a primary release, or it might be an as a service, or a pay per use, or a full managed service, um, or I could just be renting this thing, right? So there's a lot of different complexities and what that really means. But the real question in this particular topic is how much is under the control of the CIO, right? And, and I use this term quite frequently and Howard, you jump in if you agree or disagree. But I always say CIOs rarely control 
uh, how they spend IT money. In other words, it's rarely their decision on how their budget gets split into certain types of transactions. Uh, but they sometimes, and sometimes more often than not, but just sometimes control when they spend money. And that might be monthly or quarterly. Sometimes the bigger the organization, it might in fact be weekly. And what they usually do control though, is what they're spending money on. And the reason why is because mostly outside of IT don't know what that IT spend is, right? They wouldn't know a firewall from a compute device from capacity and storage. They're just, they're just words to them, right? They're just serial numbers. It's kind of a meaningless thing. So they rarely control how, sometimes control when, usually control what. Howard, what do you think? But, but ultimately the budgets are still divided into these buckets, right? And the buckets are, are anywhere from few to many, right? To Paul's point, you have an operating expense budget. Um, these, are, these are things you spend money on that are not depreciated. Right. Not owned assets by the company. Then you have a CapEx budget. These are assets that are owned by the company and depreciated over time. That's probably the most valuable thing for people who don't have a, any kind of finance background or any, any serious P&L to understand um, because those things are handled drastically differently for tax purposes. And thus the CFO cares a lot mm -hmm. on what those two buckets are. Um, and trying to shift funds from one bucket to the other is not something that's ever going to be done on the fly in any organization of any size. Now I will say in a small organization, um, the relationships tend to be a lot tighter, but also tend to be a lot stricter. So um, you'll have a lot uh, in a smaller organization, you'll have a, a lot more influence over how the money is spent, but you won't have as much influence over what it is. Right. And you probably don't have the same freedom of cash or freedom of budget that you would in a larger organization. Uh, WellPoint, as an example, right? You have a $20 million annual storage bucket, right? Whether that's OpEx or CapEx kind of doesn't matter, right? Um, and so it becomes a whole lot easier to plan out what your year looks like, knowing I have this many renewals, I have this much current recurring cost, right? These are the leases and contracts that I'm currently engaged in. And that leaves me uh, $2.2 million in expenditures for the year in this bucket. How I choose to expend them, I have a lot more freedom over rather than in a small organization, the CFO is probably a lot more attached to the contract termination times. And there's a lot more negotiation that goes on between the CIO and the CFO. Do we really need to spend that same money again? Or can I recoup that and put that cost into another department? Okay, so that's very yeah. interesting to try to understand because then that affect then how a IT leader, first of all, approach getting new equipment or services for that company, correct? Oh, 100%. Uh, it also, uh, IT is a, it's a discipline of languages, right? Um, if you're in infrastructure, you need to understand the language of storage, the language of compute, the language of uh, network, as an example, right? Mm -hmm. Um, software developers spend their entire lives learning languages, but executives need to learn languages as well. Executives need to learn the language of finance, the language of business, the language of legal. And to be honest, the better you are at learning those languages, the more successful you will be. Otherwise, you have to assume everyone else is going to learn your language. And it doesn't really happen, right? Finance doesn't learn the language of IT. We still have to communicate, 
someone has to give. And if it's not IT, you're just going to fail in all honesty, right? Um, if you fail to learn the language of, of finance, you're not going to communicate well with finance and thus give them what they're looking for to solve the problem. They just want to solve your challenge anyways. Yep. So with that in mind, are there some things that you guys have seen that new leaders or even experienced leaders that may have not learned that language that you have seen on your careers that have helped you so you can connect with those other departments to make it easier that when you have presented some projects and may have, have a challenge versus getting CapEx funding or OpEx funding that because you understood that language that you were able to connect and speak Tendulates, you spoke to their need, so they help you solve your need. I, I think what would be fundamentally valuable, especially from the seller's perspective, is to appreciate uh, what it means, the process to which one creates an IT budget, right? So starting in August, September, you're doing two things, two fundamental things. Thing number one, um, let's assess what we're going to do in the next year in terms of projects. Here are the features and functions we're going to add. Here's the companies we might buy. Here's a new application that might be built. From that, I'm going to assess what the people estimates of that project are going to be. It's going to require eight people for this amount of work, and therefore the total FTE is Y, and by calculation that means a total of X. From those projects, we also assume a IT infrastructure requirement. We think this new feature may in fact require more capacity. This new project kind of looks like this other piece of software and that uses that much capacity, therefore I have to buy more infrastructure for that. So therefore there's a FTE and a capital estimate for each one of those projects. That's number one. Number two is an infrastructure centric capital budget. Things like, I know I need to fundamentally change the capacity of my storage. I know I'm going to have to implement an incremental firewall set, another DMZ. I know I'm going to have to replace a whole subset of my IPS and IDS. Like there's clearly things that have to be done. Sometimes it's currency, sometimes it's simple replacement, sometimes it's break fix, but I know there's a series of infrastructure specific changes I need to be able to make. And that tends to be capital centric, mostly because in the IT world, capital is more expensive than the people to which are operating the capital, right? Uh, so know that those things happen. August, September gets approved, October gets uh, reapproved again in November, goes to the board around that time, and then it starts in January, right? So all of those buying decisions have already been made. You've already determined what quarter, if not one month, if not what week you plan on doing it at. Uh, whether or not it's perfect, it almost doesn't matter, but at least it has to fall in the quarter to which you were thinking about spending it. And, and while the CFO and the board and the president does, doesn't necessarily care what firewall you're replacing it with, they have an expectation that that's when things are going to get spent. So when a seller comes back and says, why can't you do it March 30th instead of April 1st, that's the reason. Mm. Yeah. How are yeah, so, I, so I would say to kind of, uh, I don't know, maybe clarify just a touch because um, I, I always looked at it as run rate and change rate, mm. right? And and clearly defining your people costs from your non-people costs, mm -hmm. right? What is my run? I always started with run rate. 
what does it cost me to continue doing business just as I did yesterday at the growth rate that I was doing it last year for next year? Right. So we're not adding new features. We're not adding new functionality. We're simply maintaining where we are. That may include replacing servers, replacing applications, replacing processes and procedures yep. to make sure that they're current. But IPS IDS is a really good example. I have a security posture yesterday that must be maintained at a secure level tomorrow. Right. Some of that has changed, but that's, that's all part of my run rate. So what is my run rate? What is the cost just to keep the lights on as it were? And then what is my change rate? What do I expect to change in the coming year? I think about those two things differently. Because sure. one, you kind of don't have a lot of option in. Like these are the things that must occur for business to continue. Change rate, we kind of have some decision-making process. Is this project worth it with this kind of change rate? Um, and then I tended not to break things down by more than the quarter for a budgetary purpose, right? Um, and then there was some negotiation on what week people cared. Yeah, I, I think the big difference in the in terms of granularity was um, how shareholders valued you. So if you're a private organization that had the shareholder of executives, it almost didn't matter. But if you're a public company that expected monthly distributions, then there's a whole different situation, right? Where For sure. I have to measure my uh, safety, right? Measure the the growth of the organization in a far more granular way. So, so let me ask you this question. Then what happened when there's an emergency? You, emergency funds are created or mm -hmm. not. So is that normal on IT? Is that something that is the decision of the company? Is that part of your budget? You put that in there? It, sometimes it depends. Like, what do you define as an emergency? We need to spend $200,000. Okay. That's contained within it. We need to spend two and a half million dollars, $5 million, $10 million, $20 million. Like I'm not sure what kind of emergency constitutes those kinds of spends. Um, but let's say for instance, um, some new exploit comes out. Uh, it attacks, it uses social engineering and attacks the business itself. Nothing it could necessarily it's current systems weren't set to prevent it. It happens, right? Um, uh, crypto locker, right? Mm -hmm. um, ransomware, the first few times, right? We'd never seen that before that was new. Those are gonna be major board involving non-budgeted emergencies, right? That's the kind of stuff you go to the board with and the board figures out what they're going to do about it from a financial standpoint. I don't know of any, anyone who's able to go, yeah, I mean, I have it in my budget to handle that. We, we don't operate that way. We operate with single digit percentages of flexibility. Okay. Would you agree, Paul? Sorry, absolutely. The board will um, create additional funds because a good portion of those emergencies are business emergencies versus IT emergencies. Uh, unless there is a IT specific, you know, bad guys are trying to get in. Uh, however, they'll still assign new budgetary value to you. Um, it, it is worthwhile addressing the difference between allocation of projects to a capital project versus an operating expense project to which you wouldn't normally be able to do real time uh, but sometimes you have to like normally you do it in the budgetary process where you're saying by definition this is adding new value to the organization therefore i can capital capitalize its expense including the uh, people allocation to it however for the most part keeping the lights on and just operating could never be capitalized so you have to really appreciate how you're going to define the project, 
what specifically it will add to the business in as a whole um and then if it's a real piece of equipment or not if it's a real piece of equipment to which will obviously depreciate then that's something you have to deal with as compared to people for sure and and, and i would say understanding the tax implications of opex versus capex is something that's reasonably important um you know, understanding that this is a depreciating asset that, that has a tax table that goes along with it and is going to be depreciated over time, um, talk to your CFO or whoever your financial uh, interface is uh, to know what that table looks like. Mm -hmm. You probably don't have to ask twice. Um, that way, you know, like as a CIO, I can look at it and go, well, this, this thing only has use for three years. I don't want to depreciate it for seven. Right. So I would say that's probably the stuff I would look at. Now, I will be honest. Um, the thing I wished for most in my vendors was that they listened when I talked to them about things having to do with my budget. Right. Um, your, this is Q1. I'm not doing storage in Q1. None of my contracts are up till Q3. You're not closing anything this month. It's just not going to happen. Right. No right. matter how good of a deal it is. Right. And generally, if I tell you it's Q3 and you come knocking on my door the last day of Q2 to get it closed, it's still not going to close until Q3. Right. And it may not close until the very last day of Q3. Right. Ultimately, I'm the buyer in that, in that case. And so my budget is the only budget that matters. My financial timeline is the only timeline that matters. And I always hated when they said, oh, we'll give you super special magic pricing. So your cost of goods is going up in the next day, right? right? Special pricing closes March 31st. So April 1st, your cost of goods goes up that much. Because <laughs> right. I, I, I'm willing to guarantee if I call you on April 1st and go, hey, that pricing you gave me on March 31st, you need to match it or I'm going with your competition. That's Amazingly right. enough, competitive pricing looks the same as end of quarter pricing. That's right. I don't think I've ever received April 1 pricing that wasn't exactly the same as March 31st. Right. It's just never I, occurred. Yeah, I did a couple times and it took one phone call to fix it. Right. Because ultimately, like it doesn't matter to me. I can't change my budgetary cycles. It doesn't work that way. I have a little bit of flexibility with, lease, with leasing, right? Because I don't start paying for it until the day the lease is signed, right? Until the, the day the lease is closed and executed. And so there's a process in there between generally between delivery and paying, starting payment on the lease. So I have a little bit of flexibility there, but if I'm doing capital expense, I don't have flexibility. It's not, it doesn't happen. So go away. <laughs> so this so I think that's a, no, yeah, so that's probably a good place to wrap. Do you have anything else there, Paul? I think that covers the topic. Cool. So it's been an awesome discussion uh, with you guys. And for all of you that are listening to this, um, we welcome your questions and your comments across all the platforms. If you're listening to this, leave us a comment, share it, subscribe. If you're watching our videos or our lives, share it with your team, share it with your IT leaders and potential leaders. Because the whole idea is that we want to help your teams grow and develop so we all have a better IT environment. My friends, it's been awesome to have you here. Paul and Howard and myself, Carlos, and we'll see you on our next podcast. See you later.